no. No, 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 man. No, 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 no,
actually related to that and this idea of what isn't is not okay in the classroom. We're going to be talking about banned books. And this was uh, actually a subject matter that was sent in or recommended by one of our listeners, uh, Mr. Christian Stiles, who, you know, suggested that maybe we should talk about the, um, the, the banning, I was going to say burning, but the banning of mouse by a Tennessee school board. Um, mm-hmm. and the reasons for why, because I think that gets into this larger, interesting conversation about one, the concerns sometimes about like content bans, but also how they can be used to make larger political points, um, in ways that are maybe dog whistly or a little more underhanded. Right. And we'll get into that more as we go along, but for those who are not familiar in January of this year, 2022, um, the a, uh, Tennessee school board uh, decided to ban mouse for, I believe it was the presence of eight uh, uh, words of profanity and which um, undoubtedly uh, Ed will exceed that limit of uh, swearing in this um, episode. I'm, I don't know what the f- you're talking about. Yeah. And, They've not banned books for puns, by the way. I would just like to point that out. <laughs> but they should. But they should. <laughs> Um, and in addition to the profanity, uh, they will also they also banned it because of depictions of a naked woman. It's worth noting that for anyone who's not familiar, Mouse is a story of the Holocaust, uh, wherein the artist and writer um, Art Spiegelman is interviewing his father. His father was a Jewish survivor uh, from Poland who went through the Holocaust and survived. And uh, it is a graphic novel wherein. All the Jews are depicted as mice, the Poles are depicted as uh, pigs, and the Nazis are cats, right? And it's the telling of that story. And it has some, obviously, some very heavy subject matter. It is dealing with the Holocaust. But the naked woman in question is a mouse, right? Yeah. And so on that grounds, the school board decided, well, we're just not going to, we're going to remove this from the curriculum because it was being taught and they decided not to anymore. Um, and I have a list of uh, books from 2020 that was about, uh, compiled by the American Library Association about you know books that were banned for a variety of reasons. Before we get into that, I want to actually just get y'all's perspectives, y'all's takes on that as public school educators. You want to go up the level, Ed, or do you want to? How do you want? To yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll start at the at the middle school level. Um, so the thing is, mouse is really heavy. Um, and I might, or I'm I, like, I might argue that just because it's talking about a really unflinching account of mass murder, I might not want to be teaching that in the sixth or seventh grade. Like that might be a little bit, a little bit much. Now I say that as an English teacher who has had to teach a book like uh, Tangerine, which for anybody who's unfamiliar uh, is a novel about a boy who, over the course of the novel, recovers the uh, repressed, suppressed, whatever you want to call it, traumatic memory of his own brother uh, uh, spraying uh, spray paint into his eyes when he was four and leaving him permanently, mostly blinded. And he essentially finds out that his parents have been enabling his literal psycho older brother like all his life because of his brother's athletic talent. Like, I mean, so like, I mean, I can say what I say about mouse being kind of heavy, but fundamentally anybody who tries to argue against the banning of anything at the middle school level, if if you're going to say this is too heavy for middle schoolers to handle, there are treasured parts of the curriculum. Like younger colleagues of mine cannot stop gushing about Tangerine, like as a novel, because they're young enough to have read it when they were in middle school. And to me, it's just, it's hideous, right? But if you want to eliminate mouse, then tell you what, you're going to have to eliminate a lot of stuff. If mouse is too heavy, then I'd say that's too heavy because that's some pretty significant personal trauma going on there. So like, I'm, I'm kind of of two minds on, on it. Um, what I will say though, is the reasons they're given specifically in the case of, of mouse are absolute bullshit. I mean, it's just, it's, it's stupid and it's, it's predicated on this. Um, in anytime anybody's trying to trying to ban anything for these kind of reasons, it's not because, well, you know, we're worried about the kids. They're using the kids as a cover because it makes them uncomfortable because they don't want to, 
have to see their kid doing homework about something that talks about the actual facts of the Holocaust. They would rather have their kids read a book like uh, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, which is also about the Holocaust, but it doesn't center the victims. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't go into the details of what exactly happened in the camps. It doesn't tell that story. It's a story of the good Germans, which, Mm. I mean, there's a time and a place for that story, but let's not eliminate the story of what actually happened to the people who were murdered Mm. from the curriculum. Um, Like, I wish I could get away with keeping a copy of mouse in my classroom as reading material for my, for my students. Like I honestly wish I don't have permanent status in my current district yet. So I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. funny. And I just bought a house. So I'm kind of in this position where like, you know, the revolutionary in me wants to be like, you know, stand at the barricades. And then the, the husband and father in me is like, not right now, not, you know, that's wait one day more. Let's you got to be, you you be a sleeper cell about it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I got to I got to I got to be more subtle than that. Yeah. Like I got to I got to find other ways to do it, um, you know, but it, it's just it, it's it's bullshit. Again, talking about me, you know, violating the, the you know, exceeding the, the swear <laughs> limit in, in mouse. It's it's it is it is fallacious. It is it is utterly it's 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 a comfortable lie um that you know we're 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 doing this we're doing this because you know we're concerned about our kids seeing the swear words and you know they show tits like that's what you find objectionable yeah not the not the wholesale slaughter yeah yeah not not the mass ethnic murder that's not the problem no 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 it's titties (laughs) oh you know, and and I think on on that note of speechlessness for myself, I'll I'll hand it off to Damien. You know, yeah. So I teach at the high school level, so it's going to be a very different sense of sensibilities. Uh, first of all, when I was a senior in high school, I saw that the freshman curriculum included mouse, uh, so that was cool. Um, I myself have taught Persepolis to freshmen. Uh, we teach things like uh, Brave New World, a uh, lot of sex, a lot of sex on Brave New World. Uh, we teach things like Romeo and Juliet. A lot of sex, a lot of murder, uh, a lot of teenagers killing themselves in hilarious ways. Uh, so you've, you've got, you know, wait, it's a class. Wait, back up. Hold, hold on. Back up. There's <laughs> right, lots what? of things I've heard about Romeo and Juliet. Uh-huh. Them killing themselves, their their methods of suicide being hilarious. Is it not is hilarious. Yeah, because like as soon as he dies, she wakes up and he killed him. It's like this whole French right. farce kind of thing. Yeah. It's hilarious. I right. mean, clearly you put a couple slamming doors in there and and inspector clouseau comes in she's hilarious <laughs> you know what okay see th- yeah. this is how i can tell that you've started teaching drama because you, you bring up you bring up the idea of the concept of french farce and i'm like yeah oh yeah whole thing but you know oh, yeah, so- okay probably my favorite take on that story though yeah but i was just gonna say like my my sister-in-law absolutely loves romeo and juliet and did mm-hmm. not appreciate it at all when i described it as a um a terrible story that's not even romantic about two teenagers get to get like five people killed inside of three days like it's right yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah yeah that's actually immediate that's suspension right from on, class yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no are you kidding that's that's like bonus points that's that's yeah. extra credit like so no, you figured it out we've taught a lot of things at the high school level that are sex and drugs and uh, all the things that you should be teaching kids to interrogate within literature. We've, we've absolutely taught those things at all the levels in the high school level. Um, The banning of mouse uh, is, you know, there's not much that I could add to what Ed said in terms of my excoriation of it. I will, however, add these two details. I don't think you have the banning of mouse where you have a school district that is run either so toxically that they can't even get around to banning books like mine <laughs> uh, or <laughs> you have like it has largely missed us because of all the chicanery you know it's um, it's, it's funny you i don't think you mentioned union thug on your resume at the beginning oh, of the episode but right. there it comes out there you are uh, but or or you have a school district uh, where people uh, who are on the school board have have read books 
And I don't mean that as looking down on these people in Tennessee, but like when you actually read literature um, and it's ironic that I'm the one promoting this because of the two of us, Ed has actually read literature. Um, But uh, (laughs) when you have people who've actually read literature, there's a lot more empathy and there's a lot more understanding as to the benefits that a society can have by educating kids with literature. And so I would say that um, it makes sense to me in a lot of ways that it happened in Tennessee. Um, None of these are me looking down my nose at those silly Tennesseans. It's much more that, um, you know, it kind of goes back ultimately to the lost cause. They don't care about the content of what happened. They care about how it's presented. Mm. There's mouse tits. Mm -mm, Not okay. You said a swear word. Not okay. Uh, you covered a, a Holocaust and we'll look the other way. Um, and I think yeah. that there's also another agenda at play, though. Quite honestly, I do think that the banning specifically of a book that had to do with the Holocaust, when people are running around with T-shirts that say six million wasn't enough. Yeah. And and this did happen just a few days before the um, International uh, Holocaust Remembrance Day. Yeah. So yeah. I, they're absolutely, I, I wouldn't even, we call it foghorning on our podcast. They are foghorning yeah. uh, to the racists saying, look, I want to be reelected by you. And there is a huge movement right now amongst uh, white nationalist hate groups to get elected to local offices. Um, yeah. And it's, it's working and we're seeing it manifest in it, even, even if they're not necessarily winning the first time around, they are winning the second and third time around, but also they are shifting the people who are the reasonable ones uh, and and they're going into some very, very white supremacist territory. Now, the other thing I wanted to bring up, though, is you don't see books getting banned like that in schools where the librarians are older than than Ed. You don't. Um, You do see it when they are younger than than all the rest of us here. Um, And the reason is. I knew there was going to be a dig there. Like yeah, well, I, there, there was I, right in the beginning. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. But like you confirmed it, <laughs> but right the there. librarians who were uh, hired, who are again, older than Ed. So we're talking like in their fifties and sixties and they're the ones retiring. They grew up at a time. They came up at a time where a librarian was a goal of a position. And it was not just a textbook tech. It was somebody who curated and kept a library stocked with books that had a wide variety and had a liberal arts focus. And now the librarians that are coming up, first off, they're far fewer and further between. We are having trouble stocking librarians, um, which is okay because we stopped stocking books about 20 years ago. <laughs> um, but uh, you have these young people who are librarians and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I'll take care of the textbook stuff too. And they just become textbook techs and they get no time to actually curate their libraries. And so libraries are just getting wildly out of date the best you can do is just get rid of water damaged books yeah when you don't have a librarian core like that you start having it being okay to ban books because now there's no expert on sites about the books yeah librarian core is actually an extension of the cvs but no one ever hears about them right well also librarian core it's my second favorite synth metal um is librarian core it's so (laughs) oh my god yeah yeah it it is pretty awesome what what i what i want to kind of uh punctuate on that mm-hmm. when, when Damien's talking about, you know, the, the, the number of librarians that we're seeing in public schools, cause I don't know, this isn't something that this is inside baseball. This isn't something who, that anybody who, who isn't in public education is, is probably going to pay attention to, but it is increasingly rare for a school to have a librarian who is their librarian. When, when Damien said what he said about, you know, oh, I'll handle the textbook stuff too. And that turns into their whole job. That does turn into their whole job because they're doing the textbook shit for three schools. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the budget isn't there for Which every means- school to have a full-time librarian. And Same that's a thing. choice. That is 100% a choice. That is yes. a budgetary yes. choice. That is a budgetary budget- choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely driven by those politics. Which yeah. is, and now you've got three schools with three libraries that aren't being curated. And, the, yeah. and uh, you know, in addition to sharing things like, you know, nurses and uh, school counselors and things like that. <laughs> yeah, you beat and, me to it. Because, yeah, yeah that, that's exactly where I was going to go to is, you know, all of these issues, the, the, the biggest problem with public education 
is that public education relies on public funds. And the moment anything relies on public funds, it becomes a political football. And so you could run it as a, at a loss because it was considered an investment, but we don't well, do that. Not there's anymore, the commodification. No. There's the overtesting. Yeah. There's so much stuff that happened since that report that came out in 1983. And then with no child left behind. And then yeah. with the Koch well, brothers pouring tons of money into killing off education. Like there's a lot of steps along the way. But we are literally looking at one in five librarians that was in the job in 2012 is no longer in the job. Like, And we haven't replaced them. And by 2030, the shortage is going to be even higher. Oh, yeah. So. So, yeah, banning Art Spiegelman's book. This is not the first time, by the way, that his stuff has been affected oh, yeah. by censorship. Uh, he wrote a foreword in a Marvel book. Um, and uh, it was uh, it was Marvel, the Golden Age from 39 to 49. Yeah. And his intro got edited to get rid of anti-Trump rhetoric. And so he said, no, you don't get to have any of my introduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is not the first time he's run into this. Well, um, he, he wrote in the shadow of no towers, which was published in a right. German newspaper, which was about uh, the twin towers immediately after uh, 9 11, talking mm-hmm. about all kinds of stuff that was, would have been very politically problematic um, yeah. and difficult at the time, but, you know, it was a very genuine reflection of someone who grew up in and lived in New York and was dealing with that trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing, one thing I was going to point out was that in, in your your point about curation is a really interesting point because there is a judgment call that has to be made about how to address things like the Holocaust at the high school level, let's say. So like when I was in high school, we didn't read Mouse, but we did read Night, right, by Eli Wiesel, right. which is a deeply traumatizing book. Yes. It's it's good. It's well-written. It, it tells a, a compelling narrative and it gives you an insight from the victim's perspectives, all that kinds of stuff. But good day. I am 34 years old. It has been almost 20 years since I read that book. And there are still scenes that I can't get out of my head. Right. I would much prefer to see that with mouse than with like some of that, that stuff. Um, not to say that people shouldn't read night. They absolutely should. Um, but it is what it is, right? It's a lot heavier. Um, But I do want to pivot a little bit to this larger discussion of banning books because this is a perennial thing, right? It comes up from time to time. You hear at least every year about some new book that was banned um, and there's an outrage over it for a variety of reasons. But so I have a list here from the American Library Association um, looking at the uh, top 10 banned books and the reasons for why in 2020, right? Okay. So they surveyed, you know, uh, almost uh, several, uh, more than a hundred, maybe two hundred um, school systems to see, you know, what books that kind of thing. Or it, no, I'm sorry, it was a list of 195 that they pulled from, and of all the school systems they observed or they they uh, surveyed, 195 books came up. These are the top ten of those. Um, and I'm not familiar with these, so if you know anything about them, please feel free to chime in. There's okay. the first one is George by Alex Gino. Uh, challenged and banned and restricted for uh, LGBTQIA plus content conflicting with the religious viewpoint and not reflecting, quote, the values of our community. Um, stamped racism, uh, anti-racism and you by Ibram Kendi and yeah. Jason Reynolds uh, banned and challenged because of author's public statements, which is interesting. Uh, that, and- that book has actually been something that teachers, uh, older mm-hmm. teachers, not all older teachers, but older teachers have complained about having to read in reading groups. Mm-hmm which is disappointing. Uh, it's uh, so because of public statements from the author uh, and because the book contains quote, selective storytelling incidents and does not encompass racism against all people. I, I wasn't aware that was within is, is the scope. That, of what the would book. we call that fog horning again? I, I don't yeah. know. Is that they're not, it's not even a dog whistle. It's, no. it's, it's, it's a it's an obvious. Yeah. 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 That's just that's just revving the engine and hitting the the horn. Um, <laughs> uh, number three, All American Boys by Jason Reynolds uh, and Brendan Kelly, uh, because of profanity, drug use, alcoholism, and because it is was thought to promote anti police views, um, including quote too much of a sensitive matter right now uh, related <laughs> to police. Maybe we'll unban it later, but yeah. let's let's put yeah, a pin let's, in this book and we'll we'll come back yeah. to it later. Right. <laughs> once once like you know CSI Miami gets renewed for its umpteenth season, then yeah. we'll, you know yeah. right right yeah. <laughs> uh, speak by Lori uh, Anderson, uh, banned and challenged and restricted, contain, uh, contains a political viewpoint and it was claimed to be biased against male students and for the novel's inclusion of rape and profanity. 
right? Uh, okay, wait, wait, I, I have to jump in here. Yeah. So it includes rape uh-huh. and it's biased against male students. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like they're, they're, you know, complaining about it being about rape twice there. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. you know, like that scene from blazing saddles, rape, yeah. murder, arson, and rape. You said yeah. that twice. <laughs> you said, we like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, let's see the absolutely true diary of a part-time Indian by Sherman Alexi. It was banned. Alexi. It, well, it was banned because of profanity, sexual references, and allegations of sexual misconduct by the author. Cause he's, he got in some hot water a few, oh, a couple true. years ago. Yeah. 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 Um, something happened in our town, a child story about racial injustice by Marianne Solano, Marietta Collins, Ann Hazard, and Jennifer Zivion. Um, uh, because of quote divisive language and because it was thought to promote anti-police views. Uh, number divisive, seven. I'm sorry, divisive language. Yes, really. Quotes. Mm-hmm. Really, they had the temerity to talk about you know anything uncomfortable. Again, That's, the title Jesus. is something happened in our town. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I wonder what happened. <laughs> A child story I, about I racial injustice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, hmm. All right, sorry. Carry on. This one's this one's interesting. Number seven, to kill a mockingbird by Harper Lee. Reasons I, banned and challenged for racial slurs and their negative effect on students, featuring a quote white savior character and its perception of the black experience. See, this one I think <laughs> should be banned because, and I'll go on record saying to kill a mockingbird should be banned because in no way did it teach me how to kill a mockingbird. All it <laughs> did was teach me about a <laughs> finch that was somewhere up in the upper part of the house and that I could swear at it. That was it. All I learned how <laughs> was to attic cuss a finch. And that was it. You really had to reach for that one. Only up to the You're attic. Really? <laughs> See, this is the problem. He's he's a chess player with these goddamn things. He's like, because he, uh, anyway. Thinking most, several moves God ahead. Damn it. Most yeah. of us are, are running like, um, you know, chess master on an old like Windows 95 and old Damien's over here, you know, playing with Watson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Right, so yeah. wait, the, the ban of it though does sound like it was it was banned because it's essentially centering white people in a black struggle. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what I heard right? Yeah, the white savior okay. trope. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is interesting because that mm-hmm. is a critique I've heard before, um, mm-hmm. particularly because and this might indicate that I was raised in the South. I did not read To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> AP, did. AP English senior year. Oh, I did Lord as well. Almighty. Yeah, but it, yeah. it is it is my understanding that Atticus Finch is not necessarily doing it because he believes in the inherent dignity of other people, but because the system has to be preserved. Yeah, well, and that's why she came not out with wrong. her second book, and everybody got really upset. They're like, "You made your, you know, you, you made the dad like a kick a kick guy," and it was like, "No." Scout grew up and realized all these things about her dad was mm-hmm. kind yeah. of the point, and now mm-hmm. she's looking at him as an adult and going. Oh, he did it to keep the feds out, not not for any other reason. I could be mixing up two stories, but um, no, but you're yeah. pretty much right. Yeah. Uh, the the sequel to Kill a Mockingbird was kind of the um, to murder a flamingo. I remember. Uh, well, the the, the, the <laughs> I thought it was the uh, drama. The last drum, the, well, what was yeah? It was it was the last it was the last Jedi uh, kind of kind of treatment of you know like there are there are multiple viewpoints on this story and you know, growing up and suddenly realizing that, you know, I, I, I didn't see the whole picture before mm-hmm. sure. kind of situation. The, the fact that it was banned though, mm-hmm. for its problematic elements I, tells me there's kind of, it's, it's probably not a good faith, like reason for banning it. It's just another one that deals sure. with that icky topic. And, and so let's take the, um, quote unquote woke reason why it's it's banned so that we can avoid controversy but also get what we want right to say you could even get the left to fight against itself in their right. mind right because now you got oh you're too woke for this book i love this book and you've got this this internecine fighting that you can kind of get between right. the left and liberals or or exactly. between people who are actually affected by white savior stuff and white people uh who yeah. are like that that's a good story right um right. yeah yeah, absolutely. I, I would I would tend to agree with you. But it, when you're done with your list, there's something I want to point out to all these reasons. But I, I will keep my powder dry. 
this does get to a larger point though with like uh to kill a mockingbird you don't have to teach a book as though it is the ideal right you can right. critique it and so that could be a reasonable text to use in that regard mm-hmm. um so number eight was of mice and men by john steinbeck reasons uh racial slurs racist stereotypes and other and their negative effects on students uh which is a a that is carte blanche for a lot of material. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's and just getting anti Steinbeck is, is what, like, yeah. it, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I, I think it's the same bad faith that Barry mentioned right. earlier. Like mm-hmm. this is, yeah. you're, you're using, yeah. you're appropriating the language uh, yeah. without, right. you know, and, and, and just and, painting it as a thin veneer over your real reasons of this guy's advocating for labor unions. Well, he's mm-hmm. advocating for labor unions and he's coming at it from a socialist perspective. Like, you know, having having used the film as a resource when i taught the one year that i taught you know high school american history like mm-hmm. dude no <laughs> again i call mm-hmm. but anyway moving uh number nine uh the bluest eye by tony morrison uh mm-hmm. reasons it was considered sexually explicit and depicts child sexual abuse um it's worth noting though that that story also deals a lot with internalized racism mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that and that's a that's a tough thing that um, for anyone to deal with, but is also a worthy conversation with young people who are trying to figure out their identities. It's Danny well, Morrison. It feels like the real reason yeah. for banning that one and the of mice and men is because it's that author. Yeah. yeah. Same oh, with yeah, the Zendi totally. book, right? You know, like yeah. it's yeah. It, yeah. we don't want Tony Morrison's book. Yeah. It yeah. Kind of feels like. Well, and and these seem very well crafted arguments for banning them. It's more strategic if we're going to use the chess now. It, bring that back, like. It's like, okay, it, people will not want this book banned. And so if I give my reason for it being banned, that it depicts child violence. Oh, so you like child violence, really? Right. You, you, you want yeah. a book with child violence in our schools? Ah, okay, so you're a terrible person. That's right. a lot easier target to hit mm-hmm. than... Someone yeah. who, oh, you still yeah. want anti-bullying, but you still want the the real bullying is making kids read. Yeah, <laughs> this book. Sorry, I had to take a breath. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and so no, I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say no. I think that would actually be the cadence with which that argument would probably be presented because I, I can't <clears> imagine anybody going that route being particularly glib. But anyway. And the last one, number 10, The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, uh, challenged for profanity and was thought to promote an anti-police message, right? Which is, of course, dealing with issues of like profiling by cops and things like that. So, so yeah. on on that list, how many of them are promoting an anti? That's at least three. Uh, yeah, know, three or four. That are, that are, yeah. that are anti-police. I just want to say, like, the moment you start saying, well, you know, it promotes an anti-police narrative my immediate turn like if i were involved in the debate would be oh so you're a brown shirt <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. I, in, but but you know the overton window in this country being where it is unfortunately yeah. you know i'd i'd then immediately be labeled as as the domestic terrorist you know those who don't know brown shirts were british nazis uh, well so. and original like the original nazis the, like the, the og nazis yeah yeah right. yeah, the right. yeah. Brown shirts, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I got them confused with um uh, uh, with the different movement in Britain that was oh, also pro fascist. Oswald or Oswald? Or... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, not Oswald Cobblepot because that's who comes to mind. But <laughs> it's not the Penguin. But there was, there was no. a there was a British fascist organization that yeah. had a colored shirt because yeah, they all I, do. I, I want to yeah. say they were black shirts like the Italians, but that's just off the top of my head. The blouse Maybe. movements. And then you had the silver shirts in the United States, and there was a anyway. My mistake. Yeah. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. So all 10 of these, I heard the same reason over and over, and it was that there's a reason. As soon as we start, and and I understand that, you know, there are budgets and there are certainly like, I want to promote, like, we don't need to have Mein Kampf in the libraries. I don't think that needs to happen. You don't need Turner Diaries in the libraries. No, I just checked out the Turner Diaries. I'm very sure I'm on a list. (laughs) (laughs) And now I am too. Uh, (laughs) uh, But, uh, but, you know, I don't think you need those in our school uh, libraries. Uh, I, I know because we have kids who bring their own copies. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that'll be an off air discussion, yeah. but, um, but, uh, I'm not saying that you have no standards whatsoever, but I am saying that the second you start to give reasons and they're qualified in any ways like this, that you are absolutely, um, 
upending uh, what a liberal arts education is supposed to be for. If if any of the reasons have to do with making kids uncomfortable, then you've already you've already sold the farm. If your reason is this promotes um, this promotes hate, this promotes um, you know uh, uh, violence. Yeah, this promotes violence against uh, targeted groups or things like that. That would be one thing. But this depicts that just means it's upsetting to you to have to actually confront the reality of it. Mm -hmm. This gives us an anti-cop message or something like that. I'm sorry, but the the police are the ones who are in charge uh, and they have the sticks and the guns. They can handle a little bit of naughty words. Um, You know, if you're punching up, I have zero problem with that book being in the schools, including ones that say don't listen to your teacher and, and step on their toes. Um, but as soon as you have books that it makes a kid uncomfortable because of this topic or that topic, you know, I, there are, there are gradations within a library where literally, nope, you're in fourth grade. You don't get to go to that bookcase until you're in fifth grade. And that's a very valid choice for a librarian to make, right. (laughs) Um, having a school board do it based on, I guarantee you, they did not sit down and read these books. Oh, yeah. Guarantee you. Um, having it do that based on those sentiments and, of but even any if kind of they uncomfortability. Did, even if yeah. they did read the books, right? Like it, yeah, it's it, still not a it's the epitome. Yeah. It's the epitome of uh, I I like this content because it's not political. Really, what right. you're saying is it. I mean, it is political. It's just reflecting your politics, and that's why you don't mm-hmm. recognize it. You don't see it, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. when when we when we're worried about kids. Uh, reading something that makes them uncomfortable, what we're what we're worried about is that they might come across politics that don't reflect their own mm-hmm. or reflect yeah. ours as parents or reflect our own. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, it, what Damien said about, you know, uh, uh, kids reading books that encourage kids not to listen to their teachers and to step on their toes. You know, th- again, three of those three of those entries were, you know, well, this promotes an anti-police message. Like, have, have, have any of you guys read boy by Roald Dahl? Cause I'm teaching it in, yeah. in, in my English class to my sixth graders. Um, it is, it is his, his memoir growing up uh, talking about his experiences as a, as a uh, private school student in, in the UK in, you know, the early part of the 20th century. And, and I bring this up because number one, he portrays all of the adults in this book are assholes. Like literally with the exception of his mother, who is a saint and will go straight to heaven when she dies. Every other adult in this book is a power hungry bully, you know, and a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The hypocrite's so a big far, part. Sounds like a nonfiction about it, uh, it boarding school much, life. It, in it, Britain. It, yeah. yeah. You know, um, and the Roger Waters is uh, right. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, there, there were some issues with that system still are. But, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, it is, it is this, I'm going to say delightfully subversive kind of, kind of book because it reflects the lived experience of kids when everything that they do is under the control of somebody else. But like, if you're going to say, well, this is, you know, this, this, you know, uh, projects an anti-cop or anti-police sentiment that projects a pretty anti-teacher sentiment. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, if you really wanted to be a dick about it, you could say, "Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to see this in the classroom because it's going to make it difficult for me to maintain uh, classroom management." You know, because mm-hmm. you know they're making me look like an asshole. Well, okay, no, making you're making you look like an asshole, but that's beside the point. Mm-hmm. And if you want to try to say, "Well, you know, this author has said some problematic things." And so we don't want this author's work, which was also the case with a number of other things. Roald Dahl was a raging anti-Semite. Yeah. Like yeah, almost we're, we're picking and choosing. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're picking yeah. and choosing who it is. Well, like, we're well, you know, picking the black and brown ones. It seems <laughs> like we're not, <laughs> well, we're not choosing. Like you didn't see yeah. them saying like, well, Steinbeck has said some, some problematic things. No, yeah. you saw Sherman, Alexi, Zendi, mm-hmm. And I think they mentioned Tony Morrison. I could mm-hmm. yeah, yes, it was Tony Morrison. Yeah, I, w- I would also like to. I would like to bring up too, though, that um, these people who are banning books, these are school boards that are banning books. Typically, that's how it works because um, it goes up to them. Um, they're elected officials, elected locally. Uh, local elections historically have very low turnouts. 
Uh, they're typically people who have multiple jobs uh, or their main job is not to be a school board member. That That is a secondary thing that they do. So they have a normal job uh, that allows them to have the free time to do that, which means typically they're of a certain class. Mm-hmm. Typically. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, those those folks are typically run out after a few election cycles, whereas the ones who get to stay and make the election a hundred thousand dollar election, they they get to stay. Um, and so they're they're, of course, benefiting their own class. Um, are they are they being proactive and they're just emboldened to push a white supremacist agenda or are they and I, I'm painting with a broad brush to save time there um, or are they um afraid of what might happen when the proud boys roll through with their uh, election campaign promises um or are they actually bending to pressure that's already starting to creep in because it seems to me that if you're going to ban a book you might have like better reasons or or whatnot (laughs) and these folks who are doing it it seems like ironically the people banning books don't have spines it was not a setup, but it was it was it was still there. So. <laughs> yeah. no, that was I found think, gold, is what that was. <laughs> I think at the at the very least, this mm-hmm. is, these are folks who are um, aware of the political climate in which they operate, and mm-hmm. so they are doing what preserves their jobs. And also, it's not that big a deal because hey, why why do this kind of stuff? There's other things to teach about and what have you. Right. Um, so I, I think it, it could be that it could be the matter of, you know, there are folks from up top who are putting pressure on them to do certain things. That's certainly the case in, in you know, uh, uh, some situations. Uh, there, it could be a matter of they are being radicalized because a lot of these white nationalist and fascist organizations like the Proud Boys use talking points like think of the children because it's an easy, very defensible position to take. Right. I mean, because what's the opposite? No, don't think of the children. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the Michael Jordan man. F- them kids. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the other thing that comes to mind though, is that um, this gets into the issue of like, and we can only touch on it because we got to conclude, but like the problem with content bans uh, specifically. So I'm thinking of um, a book called Free Speech on Campus by Erwin Chemerinsky and Howard Gilman. Uh, Chemerinsky and Gilman point out that um, like, historically, whenever you try to ban something because of content, it becomes mm-hmm. a very easily used precedent for banning other stuff that we would consider pro-social. So for example, mm-hmm. and this is not the exact one that they use, but like to, to carry on that argument, like if you banned swastikas because it's considered offensive and racially insensitive well that can also be used for things like uh the black power fist right yeah that sort of argument can be used because it's not about the actual content itself it's about how can that argument be used and weaponized and historically has been weaponized against what we would consider more liberal or inclusive or uh, in many ways, forward-thinking and pro-social um, uh, points to take. So, yeah, it's um, it's tough. And but this goes back to the idea of uh, what Damien brought up earlier of the need for curators, people who have and can exercise some good judgment about this kind of stuff, where that's what they do. But you know, so trust and expertise, in other words, which, hey, you know, which yeah. is you know another issue in our political climate, and. You know, I want to I want to go back to to talking about you know who the people are who are making these decisions. Speaking as somebody who uh, is is working in a district with a particular kind of political climate, um, just just as a side note, um, I I I started out the year with a with a Black Lives Matter poster up on the wall in my classroom, and my district, to their credit. Uh, the district office has come out in in support of Black Lives Matter, in support of their their African American and other you know students of color. But um, a disgruntled student shared a photo of the Black Lives Matter poster at the front of my of of my classroom with some member of their family, who then went on a Facebook group, and um, you know. How, how many of you think this is appropriate in a sixth grade classroom <laughs> and came very close to doxing me um, <clears throat> mentioned my name and the specific school at which I, I am working. And, and my wife was terrified because yeah. this, this group took off like so many people uh, just being, I mean, so blatantly, Awful. And, 
and, and you racist. were the next you were the next in a long line like <laughs> not gonna yeah i don't want to upstage you yeah kind of started with me uh the year before yeah and then yeah. Uh, a friend of mine uh for having an antifa flag up yeah um, yeah. And so in our region, we have had a number of these instances, and it felt like Ed was the next rising tide for a bit yeah. there. And it was and then it got real nasty real quick. And and the thing is, even if the members of the school board are well-meaning, even if the members of the school board have the best of intentions the people who make the most noise are the biggest assholes. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if you're a reasonable person going about your life, who doesn't, who isn't motivated by some kind of animus or some kind of, you know, bizarre conspiracy theory that you've turned into the central tenet of your personality over the last five years, you know, just to randomly pick something out of a hat, you know, um, <laughs> if you're, if you're not one of those folks, then, you know, you're, you're not going to be spending all of your time frothing at the mouth and, and looking for something to be pissed off about. Right. So the moment somebody stands up and says, Oh my God, look at what they're teaching our children. The people that are immediately going to show up at the school board meeting and who are immediately going to resort to, ugly rhetoric and threats and all of that nastiness are the people who are going to get heard mm -hmm. and you they know? bring mm -hmm. in their friends from organizations <sighs> from, too, right. which from, from no, organizations no kids in the district, they yeah. will make a lot of noise for several weeks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yep. yeah. No, uh, my, my administrators, God bless them. I'm so happy to be working where I am for the people that I am working for they got deluged by phone calls over the course of a couple of days from people who I, I won't go into details, but it was really clear from the messages they were leaving that these people did not know anything about our district. They didn't know anything about our school. Mm -hmm. They didn't understand our schedule. Like they clearly were not parents of anybody at the school, but they, they wanted to see me disciplined. Right. Like, mm -hmm. You know, this this is it. You shouldn't. You gotta know. Fire this and, guy. And the irony is of all of this is if any of them had been teachers, they would have known that like any book that you're teaching, only ten percent of the kids are reading it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 of those ten percent, only maybe fifty percent are actually reading yeah. all of it. And and of them, like, only one is actually writing in a paper on it so yeah. i really yeah you know, you know I, I i i tried the reverse it, mustard seed yeah at, at my old <laughs> at my old uh in my prior district um I, I actually one year was teaching eighth grade english and i had a choice between um tangerine which i'm like no i'm not i'm not teaching that book or or i could teach fahrenheit 451 you want to talk about you know, banning it was books. So fun to watch you. How how on the nose can you get? I was like, oh my god, I get to teach Bradbury. I love Bradbury so goddamn much. His prose is amazing. The man's a goddamn poet. It's a oh lord, and and the <laughs> the painful, agonizing struggle so fun to watch of getting the kids to even fucking pay attention to the book, like at all. So yeah, like what, what David is saying is entirely correct. Anybody who knows anything about public education knows you can assign anything the hell you want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the number of them who are actually going to read it is. If, if I was you know, indoctrinating fraction. kids, they would have read my syllabus. <laughs> right. They would know not to email. Me. Yeah. They would, they would know not to chew gum in my classroom. Yeah. Like, so you know, don't worry. The kids yeah. are going to be just fine. <laughs> I, I teach a class on comic studies where once a week I assign comic books to read half of them don't do it. So yeah, it's uh can't, can't even do that. Yeah. How? And they're, at, they're at the collegiate level. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. Yeah. I, I assign my students to watch films and that doesn't happen. I, I they, mean, they, they can't even watch a movie to get there. Our shit's mm -hmm. compulsory. Like, right. they had to yeah. Out, yeah. No, like, they I'm signed not even, up for a class about comic books. Not even controlling for intelligence. <laughs> I'm I, just or effort. It's you yeah. signed up to be here and you were selected to be here. Yeah. And yeah. you're not going to read the, the first I, ep, first yeah. issue of Darkhawk. Really? You know, it's funny. I feel 
on the one hand, really validated because it's not just us. And on the other hand, that's really depressing. I really want to leave the country now. It is. And that's a good note to end on how depressing it is. (laughs) (laughs) On this theme of, uh, you know, feeling uncomfortable and that being okay, let's, let's sit in our discomfort here. (laughs) All right. So, um, so let's pull this then to a close. Um, Fellas, (laughs) where can folks find you and support you? Uh, You can find me in these streets. No, uh, you can... <laughs> I've been I've been waiting for three episodes for you to say that. Finally. <laughs> Every Damien, once in a while, Damien's out here on the corner with the baseball bat with nails through it. That's right. Look, looking for a boss. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Just playing the Pete Seeger in the background. Are you a union man or are you? Oh, OK. No, uh, <laughs> uh, you can find me at Duh Harmony uh, on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at Duh Harmony one. Uh, on the TikTok, uh, where I sling puns as often as I feel the need. Um, mm, yeah, feel the need, not the compulsion. Uh, you can also find us. Folks, it's a compulsion. No. I, I want to tell you. Well it, controlled, it, actually. Yeah. Uh, but you can also find us collectively at geekhistorytime.com. You could also download our podcast, A Geek History of Time, uh, either from the Apple, uh, the, the iTunes app for, for podcasts, the purple one, um, or on Stitcher. And if you don't like that, then you can just go to our website, Geek History Time. Uh, that's where you can find me. Ed, where can they find you? Uh, I am on Twitter as E.H. Blaylock, and I'm on TikTok as Mr. Underscore Blaylock. And uh, yeah, a Geek History, we have uh, over 150 episodes on our podcast. Uh, and as Damien has said previously, uh, it's it's a buffet. Uh, we cover all kinds of topics. So, you know, uh, come for the prime rib and stay for the shrimp cocktail. Um, yeah. So like, thank, thank you, folks, them, for having us here. Yeah, give them a range. We go from what giant robots and uh, the yellow peril. Yeah, giant robots and yellow peril is one of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we we both spend way too much time talking about Batman. Um, and then uh, you have a really wonderful thesis on the Fantastic Four and uh, the the concept of the nuclear family in the sixties. Yeah. There you go. So, I really liked your go. episode on um, heroes that are actually villains, uh, yes. in, in particular with Indiana Jones and why he is terrible for a variety of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> he gets Harrison Ford to pass because he punches Nazis, and he does it very well. Yeah. But you yeah. know, uh, wh- for whether it's tenure or the rights of the indigenous, old boy has got some things <laughs> yeah, to yeah, shout out. Yeah, some issues to talk about there. Yeah, we've yeah. we've done some on like cartoons that should have had a longer run too. Like we get silly with some stuff as yeah. well so it's 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 all kind of good yeah it's a good yeah. time yeah. um and of course you know folks can find me on uh tiktok at dr dot underscore c uh on twitter and instagram at ga cruise underscore phd and you can email your uh your comments concerns your questions recommendations for episodes and what have you or general life advice i mean things a nightmare right now so you know any help is welcomed uh at ga cruise um phd at gmail.com um <laughs> Thanks for dropping by the office, folks. We'll catch you next week. Bye.